Hello and welcome. Is your business your mission and your mission your business? If yes, you found your tribe. Whether you feel like it or not, you are avant-garde, going your own way, making your own path, doing it like no one has done before. And the answers to the challenges you're facing aren't in a book. My friend, you are not alone. This is the Avant-Garde Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Trisha Bailey, a mission-minded serial entrepreneur and traveler. My purpose on this earth is to use my authenticity and passion to equip and empower social entrepreneurs to live in their highest calling, feeling freedom, fulfillment, and security, and inspiring others to do the same. Join me for stories, tips, and tricks for taking avant-garde inspired action in your business so that you feel encouraged, equipped, empowered, and unstoppable. I believe it doesn't have to be hard to be right. Welcome to episode 45 of Avant-Garde Entrepreneur. I am so glad you're here today with me, my friend. Today, we are wrapping up a two-part series on what I call the new groove of business. It is so easy as business leaders to just get caught up in the hustle. And especially when you're juggling so many stakeholders, the people that either directly or indirectly impact your social enterprise. So whether it's preparing reports for investors or donors and trying to express these intangible improvements happening in your business, or you know, finding a new supplier with ethical sourcing practices, or helping one of your beneficiaries, who's also your manager, who's dealing with getting immigration papers for her mom while her mom's having health complications and in the hospital. And then there are the emails, <laughs> the WhatsApp messages, the government reports. There's so much stuff that you have to deal with that has absolutely nothing to do with running a profitable, sustainable social enterprise. And the media doesn't help it either. So whether it's what you see on social or what you see from movies or shows in in the US, Canada, or Europe, don't get me wrong, a lot of great things have come from American ingenuity and persistence, but it has also created this culture of go, 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 do, 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 that is just not healthy or sustainable. And especially when this culture and mindset is not tied to endless resources, money, and help, it really leads to overwhelm and burnout. I am super passionate about this topic and about helping you avoid the trap that I fell into. And in Avant-Garde Entrepreneur Academy, we spend the first six weeks gently rewiring our minds and hearts to move from a place of, from pressure and into peace. And as you begin mentally sort of wrapping up this year and preparing for the next, I'm bringing two very special friends on the show to be that voice in your head to give you permission to just slow down and get clear on what's really important to you. And I mean you, not your team, your parents, your kids, your beneficiaries or your business, but you as a person. Last week, or the last episode, we heard from Jenny Saraswati with Jenny Media, and she shared some really healthy perspective on the concept of boundaries and balance. And I can't think of anyone better to give you perspective on the new groove of business than my good friend and executive coach, Kathleen Seeley. 
Kathleen is the founder and CEO of Massively Human Leadership. It's an international leadership coaching and consulting firm. She's a globally acclaimed speaker, facilitator, author, and corporate consultant. And she's been coaching leaders at the highest levels for over 25 years. Now, when you hear all that, you're probably thinking, oh, is she a little stuffy? Is she somebody I can relate to? The truth is the reason I believe that Kathleen has become so popular and is so highly respected in business is that she is the exact opposite. She's funny, sarcastic, authentic, and just a real human. She's navigated the challenges of motherhood and career in the decades of hustle culture, and she's been through a lot of stuff in her life. And again, it's not what she does. It's who she's being while she's doing the stuff that makes her so special. Listeners, people pay big bucks to get Kathleen's perspective. She doesn't do many interviews, but she has taken the time to get to know you as an avant-garde entrepreneur, and she believes in you and the power that you have to change the world. And she's volunteered to share some of her insight with you today. Kathleen, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm excited. I feel so warm and welcome and uh, excited about this. Thank you. For oh. <laughs> oh, we're so glad to have you. Thank you. Love it. Yeah. So Kathleen, tell us about yourself. Where did you grow up? Did you go to school? A little bit of that. Okay. Early background. Yeah. Well, I'm just wrapping up my 60th year. So my sixth decade, I was born in Olympia, Washington and lived in Seattle until I was 11. Then my, when my parents split up, my mom was Canadian, so we moved to Alberta, and I grew up mostly in Lethbridge, Alberta, and then went to university there for my undergrad. And when I went to university, I wanted to be a lawyer, actually, in the beginning, and I practiced writing LSATs. So I, I thought, I'll get a degree in something really simple so that I could have a high GPA to get into law school. So I got a degree in sociology, just mm -hmm. Random, but I've learned now nothing is random. Sociology is a study of group behavior, essentially. And then as time went on, I never went to law school, but I started to build a consulting company and then went to Royal Roads to get a master's in values-based leadership and then an additional certificate in values-based leadership. So what I realized and recognized over the years is I really love group behavior. So sociology was not an accident. I've then expanded it into further studies. And then I taught at a couple of universities as well, focused on values-based leadership. So that's kind of a quick version of the educational part of me. That's amazing. So I can see how a lot of people could really resonate with that because you take something just because it seems like the right thing to do, it's the means to the end. And then you look, it's not something you realize at the time, but you look 10, 20 years later, and you realize, oh my gosh, that yeah. was that was kind of destiny putting me on that path. So much. I I just look back and and think something guided me back then. Because mm -hmm. I could have done political science, I could have done anthropology, anything in the social sciences, and I picked this one. So yeah, I agree. It was sort of unconsciously guided. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. So Kathleen, what was your spark to start massively human leadership? So I started out in uh, healthcare and nonprofits. I worked as a, as a care aide in the early days going through university, but then I was a fundraiser for a hospital and ran the volunteer department. And then I worked 
in hospice and palliative care, which really drops you into your heart and your soul really quick mm -hmm. when you share that that very intimate moment of someone passing away and being part of the family. And then I went into being executive director for a family resource center, really helping kids who are come from broken homes or in foster care. So a lot of human service. Mm -hmm. And then I had an opportunity through my brother to become a part of a training team with a national uh, harassment prevention training program with a car company, car manufacturer in the States. And teaching harassment pre prevention training was really telling people how to behave. Mm -hmm. And it became very clear, very fast that people do not like to be told how mm -hmm. to uh, behave. And it felt very, it was a very tough training. And I had this realization that if people could connect with each other from a deeper, more meaningful place, mm -hmm. they would create sort of a care bond with each other rather than saying how to treat people. And that kind of led me into more intensive sort of trainings and workshops on my own um, and, and building programs that would connect people. And at one point I had this thought of, you know, people just need to be human, you know, massively human. And it's really sort of empathizing, authentic connections, inclusivity in the workplace. And then that's where what led me to the sort of the massively human leadership. And our logo is actually a thumbprint turned on its side with the globe in it because it's really changing the way we interact with people. And I, I just, I'm just such a firm believer that if you get to know people, if you're curious, you can create more productive work environments. So that's the premise. Mm, that's amazing. And it all started with values-based thing, doing things yeah. based on your personal values, like following yeah. your path, but also learning about values and how people interact with their values. Yeah, I was, there was one seminar course in my master's degree about values and it turned me onto this framework and this understanding that um, like we're all driven by our values and our values can be tied to our motivations or our needs. And if we can become really conscious of that, we can then structure our lives and our, our relationships and organizations around a core set of values that there are certain behaviors we agree will guide us. And it's just a framework that has resonated with me. And whenever I realize that whenever I'm triggered or whenever I'm inspired, if you sit in it long enough, there's a value underneath it. So I really feel that the values piece, they underpin everything that we do. Mm -hmm. So that's what really made me focus in on the values-based leadership piece, but consciously designing it because mm -hmm. we're all driven by values, but really intentional about who am I and who are we. So we have an international audience and you use the term you talked about values as a, and also your motivations and beliefs. Can you give us some examples of what those three things are as far as um, kind of some words that we might all understand, like a value that we might all understand? First of all, I say values really are beliefs with a punch, right? We believe a lot of things, but we know, I think it's really important to know that we know we're touching up against a value when we're inspired or we're triggered. That's what's important. Our values really are contextual, like values are universal, mm -hmm. but the beliefs around the values are contextual and the behaviors are depending on the context. And a simple example I can give to you is the value of family. You can find the value of family all over the world, right? 
but how my belief around what family is and your belief around family might be different. Mm -hmm. And that's where our beliefs can get in the way of connection. If we're really attached to, well, my definition of family is right, yours is wrong. Mm -hmm. But if we go deeper, well, we both believe in family, what can we create together as a belief that will guide our behavior? Was that, is that useful? Yeah, that's a great example because especially with, with the audience, Family is a perfect example because some people have a lot of challenges with their biological family right. or the person who birthed them. And maybe that part of their family isn't around or they are you use triggers around that. Yep. But maybe it's their grandmother or the neighbor whose mother kind of takes on that role. So family can look very different. So we might all value family, but for one person, family might be biological and that's what they identify with. Mm -hmm. And for someone, the idea of a biological family might repel them. And so So they look at non-biological or a friend. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the belief, right? And, And if we, as we grow and mature and get more experience in life, we learn to question our belief or our story about how we think the world works. And then question, well, is my story or my belief around this word family serving me in this situation? If it's not, I I, I need to question it and mm. look deeper into refining it. Like example, my husband and I, when we got divorced, he was convinced and his belief system was that family has, you're, you have to stay married or your kid's will be traumatized. Mm-hmm. You, you have to. He couldn't shift that perspective. And I said, well, we're getting divorced. So if you continue to believe that, you might manifest that. But what's true is we're not going to be married. So mm-hmm. redefining and, and re-looking at his belief around family. And I also had to redefine my belief around parenting and family in the new context. Mm-hmm. So we could we can get really stuck if we're not willing to question that belief system. And I really like how you talked about chosen family and birth family, biological family, because that belief system, if we feel that this is the way it is, this is the way it's always been, then it can be qu- come quite painful, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. When we're talking to business owners and we're talking about their values as social entrepreneurs, caring for people, navigating a lot of different things. They have a lot of different motivations. And when we're talking about leadership Mm -hmm. and leading others and yourself, based on our own values, can you talk a little bit about base leading ourselves and our business based on our own values versus maybe what society Mm -hmm. says? how we should lead or what they might read in business books, especially older business books? Well, that's a very full question. (laughs) The first thing about reading about something in a book, it can give us a frame or a touch point, but you can't get wet from the word water. You have to get in the water and swim around and try things. So that's like textbooks, frameworks, all that stuff is useful and valuable as just touch points for learning. But really recognizing in leadership and leading others, I feel it's to master our own integrity and authenticity. And what that means is understanding what are our driving values? What is core to me? 
and being very clear on that. And, and if you know who you are and you're grounded in your authenticity and your integrity, when this new external pressure comes, you might sway like an oak tree, but you're firmly planted. And if you aren't really clear on who you are, you can go with the latest trend or the pressure. And it's really difficult to remember who you need to be when it's external pressure you're responding to and learning to show up as who you are. And I feel like if you think about my, the best metaphor I, I can think about is understanding your values and how important it is to be clear on what they are and what they look like is when you squeeze an orange, what comes out of the orange? Like orange juice. juice. Yeah. Only orange juice, not apple juice, not grape juice. And why is that? It's because that's what's inside. So what comes out of you when you're under pressure? And that's a really good way to look at, you know, what are my values? What are the beliefs around that value? And is it serving me going forward? And as you understand yourself more, others begin to trust you because you act with integrity. You're predictable in a way. Your your character is predictable. You might surprise them in some ways with things that you say or do. That's not what I mean. It's but your character's predictable and that builds trust. Yes, it feels like it seems like it creates a safe space because people know what they're going to get and they might not even necessarily like what they're going to get. For example, someone might be very direct as a leader and there might be someone in the organization who doesn't, that doesn't resonate with them all the time, but at least they know what they're getting. The person is. That's a good, that's good. I like that, that next step in the conversation, because also as a leader, we need to meet people where they are. Mm. So we have Mm -hmm. to notice the impact of our behavior on others. And is that directness serving? Is that directness creating a space for this person to sort of fully individuate and self-actualize, actualize actualize under my leadership Mm -hmm. or become themselves is a better Mm -hmm. word. Like that might be comfortable for me. Mm-hmm. Like, because for me personally, you kind of hit it on the head. I can be really direct. Mm-hmm. And also what I notice when I create a safe space for people to give me feedback, they say, I was really intimidated by you because of your directness. I can now appreciate it and I value it. But in the beginning, it was really hard to mm-hmm. know you. So learning how to be who we are, mm-hmm. not change because of the audience, but also meet people kind of where, where they are. And the more we understand ourselves, the less attached we become to being right or being in charge or, and we, we can create those safe spaces. So just learning to love who we are, be clear on who we are, but also creating that safe space for others. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of both, isn't it? Yeah, like, you it know, is. That, uh, that integrity, the trustworthiness, the predictability, but also the compassion and empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, to let people kind of rise up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we talk about values, there are, especially with an international audience, I think there are some people who are wondering, is there such thing as a bad value? Well, the word bad feels so uh, parental to me. Yes. <laughs> it feels very sticky. Yeah. Uh, like, so values can be, values can connect us mm-hmm. and we always say values and behaviors because sometimes we'll talk about a behavior and as a value but it's our behavior demonstrates what we value so our values can connect us and some mm-hmm. can divide us if they're overused and and 
A good example is like control. Control is a good value. It's it's a high, highly important value in say, you know, a nuclear power plant, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or uh, someone needs to take charge, like an entrepreneur, they need to be in control. They need to understand what's going on. They need to be in touch with everything and be in control. But when control takes over as your as the way you are, Mm-hmm. without allowing others to give feedback or willing to change, that's where it can become what we call potentially limiting. Mm-hmm. So, and it doesn't serve us to some mm-hmm. extent. So the, the word bad is, is useful. Mm-hmm. And just recognizing that everything serves us, all of our behaviors serve us um, to a certain degree. And if, if they're starting to work against us, we might explore the belief we hold around that value. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, that does. And I I think it's good for people to hear some cultures are a little bit more black and white. And especially if we're talking to someone where English is not their first language, the words are a little bit more like cut and dry. And I love the idea of looking at the values as potentially limiting to us hold the things that hold us back. They're, they're not, there's nothing wrong with them in isolation, but it's when it goes to an extreme that that can hold us back or it can hold our team back. Yeah. And, 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 um, uh, and seeing the world as black and white is it, or language barriers, all those kinds of things is also valid. Like we have Mm -hmm. to recognize that it's safer to start that way. Mm-hmm. And then as we grow and mature and build trust in ourselves and others, we learn about the grayness of things. Yeah. That sort of, you know, but we have to start somewhere. Yeah. And, and as we mature in our leadership, we we hopefully can see a little more gray through sort of experimenting and testing and pushing the boundaries of, of who we are and, mm-hmm. and allowing others to question us. Yeah. yeah. As a leader, do our... Are values something that are like core, you know, there are different personality tests out there, Myers-Briggs and strength finders and all that. And some of them are fun, you know, to understand your personality or certain ways you're hardwired. Are your values more fundamental elements of your, of who you are or which, you know, stay relatively stable or do your values change over time? Yeah, that's another uh, question of both. Okay. (laughs) Hard one to answer. However, I think there's core pieces of our temperament. There's core parts of us. And I call it like our core motivation or, or so deeply ingrained in us that it's kind of our work in the world can be sourced from that. Like mine Mm -hmm. is fairness. Mm -hmm. I never pick it when I do a values assessment, Mm -hmm. but I've always had this thing about fairness. So it's part of me. But over time, what I've learned is fairness according to who. Mm, yeah. It yeah. used to be my definition of fairness, you know? And as I've gotten older, it's like, oh, the world is more complex. It's not so black and white. It's like learning how to have a conversation around fairness. So I think there's certain parts of us that are our core mm-hmm. to our, our temperament and, and drive us. And then the other answer is as we age, our motivations change. And as we grow, things change. Like 10 years ago, I never would have been talking about legacy in my company. 
I never would have been turning over things as much as I am to the team. But now that I'm sort of in, you know, my going to kick off my seventh decade, I think more about legacy. I think mm-hmm. more about long-term. So priorities and motivations and needs change. Therefore, new values might become important. So mm-hmm. you see, it's kind of a both and. And what you shared, that was a perfect example about legacy because a lot of people, especially in the social enterprise space where they care so much about people, they think they'll do this forever. Mm. And a lot of times, this is one of the things we talk about on the show is the importance of planning, succession planning. And I really appreciate you sharing that from a values perspective. It's, It's almost not, I don't want to say it's not a choice because I guess you could continue to do the thing, but it's almost like we're genetically hardwired to change, to get to this point where you you think about legacy versus thinking about building. I couldn't have put it in a framework until I learned more about values, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't have imagined, like I said, I couldn't have imagined wanting to turn things over or now coaching and mentoring my team. And a lot of the conversations around, well, where do you want to take it? Yeah. It's not me anymore. And that's, there's a lot of work in that personal work in that. But recognizing that that to not ignore that inside pull to your next evolution. Mm-hmm. I've had a very personal experience with this where I went through a season where I, it wasn't necessarily that, well, I guess I could say my value shifted. What I thought was important to me, I realized that's not important to me. That's just what I've seen. <laughs> yeah. What am I doing here? Yeah. So my value shifted. So whether it's, the situation that you have been in recently where it's kind of a natural biological response to start thinking about legacy, or if you're a person who just kind of has this wake-up call and you realize you've been doing this thing for the wrong reason or with the and your values have shifted, is it appropriate to shift your organization? Is it kind of fair? I hate to say the term fair. Well, fair is one of your words. Fair to the team, fair to who? <laughs> when when you're the one who's changed, not them, how do you how do yeah. you look at that, or how do you handle that? So that's uh, gosh, another great question. You've got me really thinking. I think if there's been like a radical shift in life philosophy, mm-hmm. it's quite possible. I mean, this is an extreme example. It's quite possible that that you need to leave and pass it on if it's like mm-hmm. this complete radical shift. But if you're noticing this evolution of consciousness and this sort of shift in your energy, which is which is developmental and it can, and, you know, our priorities and our motivations change as we, as we move through life, it's really important to approach it thoughtfully, reflect on the reasons for the shift. How does this new perspective align with the organization? Mm-hmm. Is there a way to pull a thread through it? Open yourself up to feedback from others. Cause you might, you know, sometimes people have this insight and they're almost um, evangelical about it. Like this is it. Eureka, the answer. <laughs> you're open up to other people's perspective. You can sort of soften it and move it into a new direction or more focus in direction. And also just really, what's the impact on the organization? Introducing mm-hmm. changes gradually, take in diverse opinions. And most importantly, I think it's about balancing sort of your personal growth Mm-hmm. Uh, with fairness mm-hmm. <laughs> to the team to make sure that those changes and the shifts really benefit the organization as a whole. 
that's just my intuitive answer. My thinking, I may or may not be true for other people, but that's just what I'm thinking about is, is, is really be careful, mindful, inclusive, and, you know, don't tug at a carrot. You can't make a carrot grow faster than a carrot's mm-hmm. going to grow. Just allow mm-hmm. it to nurture and evolve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I can see that's a great analogy about you can't take a carrot. Someone might have a desire in this this innate ability inside them, but it's kind of between them and their maker or their destiny or serendipity or whatever you want to call it for them to step out into that. So I can see how the organization as a leader, if you are gentle and open and listening and wanting to bring people along, there is also that point where you stop and they start. So they have to, they have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Avant-Garde Entrepreneur Foundations, where you can go from contemplation to clarity in just six weeks. How incredible does that sound? By learning to tap into the superpower of your spirit, you'll feel refreshed in your mind, certain of your mission, and inspired in your business. Go to trishabaileyphd.com forward slash A-G-E-F dash waitlist for more details. You can also find the link here in the show notes. So you've worked with business leaders around the world who have really taken time to identify their core values and are really in tune with shifts in their values. Again, this is probably going to be a little esoteric, but what are some of the values that you commonly see leaders who have really been successful at upgrading their business culture? So not just themselves, but really up-leveling the culture of their entire business or their organization. Well, I I would say adaptability. Mm -hmm. For me, empathy, and even to me, a higher value is compassion, like really uh, taking in the whole Mm -hmm. uh, transparency. And Underlying all of that, I would say, is this commitment to continuous learning. So that humility in knowing I don't know it all and sort of collective action might take longer to build this collective action. uh, But the more inclusive we can be, the more voices we can hear, I think would impact more effective transformational journeys. Transparency really builds trust. And back to the start of this conversation, mastering that authenticity and integrity and just the big word sticking out for me right now is just humility. That makes a lot of sense because when you think about once you're secure in yourself and who you are and especially who you're not, it really provides, I don't know, I think people just kind of put off this different vibe when you just kind of own who you are and let go of who you're not. And it really does make it so that people feel like, okay, I can, I trust her. And it gives them permission to, yes, yes. to be more of who they are. And, and I think that's our job as a leader. Mm-hmm. I have a guiding, a few guiding quotes, but one in particular is leadership is not about being someone to lean on. Mm-hmm. It's about making the leaning unnecessary. Mm-hmm. If your team is really dependent on you, that's probably from sort of this internal insecurity of mm-hmm. needing to have the answers or in charge. And that mm-hmm. too is developmental. Like we learn this is who I am. This is what I know. This is what I don't know. And then we find out new things we know and don't know every day. (laughs) (laughs) When we least expect it. (laughs) The humility piece is like, oh, okay. 
so. So Kathleen, you've built this amazing team and you've helped tons of leaders and tons of organizations. It's important for the listeners to understand that you, like them, started as a team of one (laughs) by yourself. (laughs) And um, as you look back on your days, kind of as a, I don't know if it was a term solopreneur at the time, but as a, as a team of one, how has the many years of you kind of doing it all affected how you lead a team now? I am so grateful for a team. Yeah. And so I would say like 15, for 15, maybe 17 years, I did it myself. I don't wow. recommend that <laughs> because it, I became very tunnel vision about mm-hmm. what to do and how to do it. So it wasn't, it wasn't easy to bring people on in the beginning because of my tendency when I get under a lot of pressure to want to control things and really being in touch with that. But what I've, I've learned is everything I've, I, I say I on purpose, everything I created in the early Mm -hmm. days has been made better through the we, and we have three generations on our core team. So three very different perspectives. Mm -hmm. We also have a team of people who have very different skills than I do. Mm -hmm. So what I've learned how to do is let go. And Mm -hmm. the the first person I hired, as you know, was Carson years ago, and he was young and he'd say to me, well, what's my job? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, just do (laughs) something. I mean, this is a true story. Just do stuff. Okay. What are my hours of work? I'm like, I don't know, nine to five, what, what do you want to work? And then what am I going to get paid? And I said, what's going to make this conversation end? <laughs> I don't recommend that because people need guidance and support. And the good thing about that is I just turned him loose and he created so much massive change and growth in the company by not having any idea what he could do. I don't recommend that as a strategy. Um, but what I do recommend is being open to what new people can bring. I always bring more depth to the work I do. And I've brought on people who can expand the, the or I bring depth and they can expand the breadth of how mm-hmm. we can serve a customer. But all I can say is everything I created has become better through the we. Mm, that's amazing. And that's probably also because you know exactly who you are and who you are not. <laughs> and that's I, amazing. I think I know more who I'm not and yeah. always learning who I am. Yeah, you know, that's I true. think if people talked, that would describe me, they say I have, I have really high integrity. I am mm-hmm. direct. I can mm-hmm. soften that. I'm authentic. And I, I really have this, I work on this compassionate heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also what I've learned with the team is to also listen to my intuition because there's some wisdom that I have mm-hmm. that I will, there are times when I say, okay, no, this is really the direction. Mm-hmm. But most times I'm like, let's see what we can create. And you've seen some of those amazing things yeah. we've created as a team. It's much better. It's amazing. Just, it's amazing to see. I, I think I met you maybe three or four years ago. They're starting to run together now, but it's incredible. What you did before was amazing. And, but what, what you have now with your team is just incredible. I've learned so much and it's been so helpful for me. Makes me happy every day. Yeah. One of the things I think that is also makes you so amazing is that you are a continuous student. I remember fairly recently, or I don't know, it was a 
it wasn't long ago that you went back to university again. Yeah. And you have, you've checked all the boxes when people look at you, if they looked at your LinkedIn profile or if they, you know, they might look and say, well, what else can she, does she possibly, (laughs) what else does she possibly need to learn? (laughs) But you continuously invest in education and coaching for yourself. Yeah. Why, why is that? Can you talk about some of the benefits that you experience by being kind of in student mode all the time? I think it takes me uh, one thing again today, the theme is fairness and humility, but the humility of always wanting to learn. I'm super curious. I love learning. Yeah. Last January, I finished another academic program and now I'm an alumni coach in that program. So I'm learning from a different perspective. I'm in another narrative coach training program. I'm always reading books. And what's true for me is I love relationships. Relationships are important to me. So Mm -hmm. I want to continue to evolve and be able to offer my clients sort of a deeper experience. Mm -hmm. And we have, you know, one client in particular for 16 years. So for them to keep coming back, we have to go be going deeper. And and like I said, the team allows us to have more breadth, but I Mm -hmm. just go deeper and I'm I'm curious and I I want to, I like to connect theories and make them practical, not booky or academic, just real mm-hmm. practical, useful experiences or, or learning experiences that people can immediately apply. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm always curious. I'm always tinkering. I, you know, my latest book is The Outward Mindset by the uh, Arbinger Institute. I, it's just so interesting. So I've always got something on the go. It brings incredible value, I think, to the listeners to understand that what they might see and what they might have heard or maybe even what they read in magazines is not necessarily the way that there are more ways to run a successful business and more ways to have personal success than to just do what you see. It's more about tapping into really who you are and... I love that you exude that. And that has been something that I've learned so much from from you. And it's really freed me up to be who I am as well. So I appreciate well, that about you. You're someone I admire greatly. I, I'm humbled that you admire me. We have this mutual <laughs> admiration. But here's something I also want to say about all that academic learning that mm-hmm. I have. I didn't do anything. My first dive into academic learning was like 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I just started and I just read books. Mm-hmm. And then I went to a few workshops and then I went to university. I did have my undergrad in fairness, but it's not just going to sort of formal academic growth. You can learn a lot if you don't have the resources or the time, you know, you're juggling many things, family mm-hmm. and all that, like you talked about in the beginning is read a book, you know, do a YouTube video. There's lots of ways to learn, mm-hmm. but take it and apply it in a practical mm-hmm. way. Invest in yourself. Mm-hmm. It's worth yeah, it. Invest yeah. in yourself. Totally. Yeah. 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 Even though you have an amazing team and you've really settled into to to life and you know really moving forward. I know that surely not every day is roses and champagne. <laughs> so what's your what's your why, Kathleen? What keeps you going on the tough days? I would I love seeing people have moments of insight where they understand how powerful they really are really in the, on the micro. Those are the little things that really inspire me because I had people in my life who just believed in me more than I believed in myself. Mm -hmm. 
And that allowed me to take a risk on myself. And and I I love that. I love seeing those moments. I also really love being part of a team. I love collaborating. I do get overwhelmed like everybody else, and I need to kind of take a step back. But I I, I really believe that our work can really impact leadership on a global scale. I believe mm-hmm. it. If you touch the heart of a leader, you can change the world mm-hmm. because they impact so many lives. Mm-hmm. And that's what keeps me going. So what is your biggest vision for Massively Human Leadership? You've talked a little bit about legacy. Is there, I don't want you to share what's not appropriate, but is there anything that you can share for your vision for the near future? Well, we have a few things that we're working on, but they're Uh all really directed at impacting leadership at a global scale. Like we're building our own coaching certification, which we would like to in-house certify leaders to really take on a coaching approach to leadership. That's a, a project we're mm-hmm. working on. Uh, we're really interested in more intensive, in-depth, on-site, kind of fractional culture director, in-house organizations to integrate their culture into their DNA so that they don't need a facilitator to come in. So kind of top-down, bottom-up building, those kinds of things. But also really, uh, I, I just want to continue to build a company that has qualified coaches and trainers, developers, designers. We have an eclectic group of people who can make a good living, mm-hmm. who can provide opportunity for their families and the people they love and just come to work loving what they do. That's really, really so important to me. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Kathleen, thank you so much for sharing. I'm so looking forward to seeing the future of Massively Human Leadership. And this has been incredibly valuable for people to really, I think, understand. First of all, thank you for explaining the the difference between values, beliefs, and motivation. Really mm-hmm. impactful for people to understand. And to also free people up to really be who they are and let go of who they're not. Yeah. And I appreciate you living that example out and authentically showing it to the world. Well, thank you for having this beautiful conversation. I. I think you are a wonderful human and I'm so happy to be in your life. It's a, it's a pleasure and this was really an honor. Thank you for inviting me. Appreciate that. Thanks for listening to this episode of Avant-Garde Entrepreneur. I hope you feel encouraged, equipped, empowered, and unstoppable. If you enjoyed what you heard, share it with a friend. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review it here on your podcast player. Questions, comments, or feedback? Connect with me directly at trishabaileyphd.com or on social at trishabaileyphd. Now, you go and get back to making the world a better place. I'll see you back here soon.